0: This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta.
1: Angrej apna lagan, or news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhorte. Welcome to NL Hafta. I hope you guys had a great holiday on Independence Day. I hope you reflected on all the independence that you have. And I hope you want more and want more of India to want more. On that note, today let me introduce our panel. It is a thin panel today. Manisha has gone off to Germany for some sort of fellowship for four or five weeks where they pretend that they'll do something productive and they'll just, I guess, have a good time for five days and come back. And um, Raman, sir, is also traveling, as is Madhu. With me is Anand Vardhan. Hi, Anand. Hello. All good? Yes. Wonderful critique of the Article 370 pieces. Congratulations on that. And we have Neha Massey, who is the Washington Post correspondent here in India. She has been here before. Uh, she is a graduate of the Columbia Journalism School. She's worked with HT, NETV, Riot. That's a production house based in New York. She's written for Caravan, New York Times, Atlantic. And when you were at the HT, you were instrumental in that hate tracker that was taken on. Am I right?
2: Yes, that is correct.
1: So what's the status of that hate tracker now?
2: Well, I mean, you can go look for it online and tell me if you find it.
1: I see. Okay. So this is the one that rumor has it. uh, What was the name? Bobby? lost his job babi ghosh lost his job yeah that, that that's a rumor i don't know if that's true maybe he lost it for other reasons but we will have joining us from kerala sneha mary koshi who has been covering the flood uh, in kerala and those of you who have been following the news must be aware that what a devastating flood there has been especially in karnataka parts of maharashtra um so yeah we will get some sort of an update of what it's like covering the floods neha is just back from kashmir actually so we'll get some, you know, on ground. Did you meet our reporter, by the way? Is he okay? Did you by any chance bump into uh, our very our very, our Ayush? We have not been able to contact him and we are very worried. Every now and then we get a report though.
2: Uh, well, if you're getting reports, then that's a good sign. Uh, no news uh, would be would be worse. But, but if
1: I'm a conspiracy theorist, what if he's been abducted by some other people and they're pretending to be him and sending us reports? Uh, no, also... I don't
2: think uh, that would no. be likely.
1: No, no. Shitalo, he's fine. Okay, anyway, Ayush, I hope you're well. Thank you for your wonderful reports. Before I go into the headlines, I shall just have a couple of announcements to make. Those of you who were asking us about the Media Rumble discussions, who could make it to delhi well they are being uploaded online every day we upload two or three um, i think by the end of this week or middle of beginning of next all of them will be up you can subscribe and follow our channels so you don't miss any videos we've had some great discussions there we had atish dasir mr prayag akbar And the editor of the Indian Express, Mr. Jha, in conversation with Madhu. I loved that conversation. I thought it was really good. Three really smart people talking about their writing. Um, And yeah, and there was a spirited exchange between me and Mr. Gupta as well. You can check that out. It's online. Also, I have an appeal for the news laundry SENA. We have another NL SENA story up. I believe this one will cost about three and a half lakhs to do. And like you know, when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, Advertiser serve, we don't take any advertising money. So if you go on to our NL Sena appeals, NL Sena projects, you see we have a project for who owns your media. We want to do a really comprehensive deep dive into the companies that hold the companies that hold the companies that own media. We did this when we just started News Laundry, and now there are a lot more media companies, lots of shares have changed hands. So that takes time, effort, resources. So do contribute so we can do that. I shall save the rest of the appeals for later, right now. Before I get into the headlines, and there are many that's Kashmir-related, what the world thinks, what China says, what Imran Khan says, let's just get a quick on-the-ground kind of thing. Uh, Neha, I want to start off with this entire BBC video. You know, I wrote a piece on this as well, and I think it uh, it has shown many of my actual friends very poorly, who were retweeting, uh, you know, the Ministry of Home Affairs statements and saying if they have said this, we should believe them. I mean, I wonder if those guys would have said the same thing if the UPA was in power. And they said, okay, this is what, you know, Mr. Uh, Patil has said. Let's just believe what he's saying. And then, of course, it emerges four days later, the Home Ministry says there was actually a protest. Uh, One, I understand there's not one narrative, some people are getting access, some parts are peaceful. I'm sure some people are happy as well, they must be sick of the whole thing. But while you were there, from your personal experience and not from anybody else, it's just yours how difficult or easy it is to is it to move around how difficult or easy is it to report and just some things of consequence that you think our listeners would benefit from
2: uh, sure. Uh, so I think uh, a lot has been sort of uh, you know discussed uh, about movement and the kind of restrictions that there exist. Um, I mean, one thing that everyone sort of agrees on is that there is a complete uh, shutdown in terms of communication. So phones, uh, internet, uh, landlines, and cable TV are shut, and I think there's no dispute on that. Uh, what a lot of different uh, so you get Doordarshan and if you have Tata Sky or uh, over, uh, one of the DTH services, but if you have a cable TV, TV, like the old uh, old style one, then you don't have anything. Uh, so that's definitely something that I think everyone is pretty much on the same page. Um, what we have seen a lot, uh, competing narratives are about the kind of movement that is possible. And I think uh, that is also something that is very hard to sort of say because everyone can have a different experience. Um, and also on what day you're talking about. So for instance, I was there for five days and every single day there was a different kind of environment on the roads outside. So some days, which is uh, the day of Eid, for instance, that morning, there was very, very heavy security. And uh, even as journalists who had curfew passes, we were checked at each checkpoint, and at some checkpoints we had to plead to get through. So there is that kind of. Uh-
1: How do you get a curfew pass? Because uh, in the story that I think Ayush had reported, uh, the HT uh, bureau chief from there, he said, right? He did. He's this is the first time he hasn't been given a curfew pass, and he's been reporting there for I think three decades.
2: Yeah. So. Is, uh, why so- why does
1: the Washington? post correspondent get it but the Hindustan Times
2: so actually uh, it was not my curfew pass but I was traveling with someone who had a curfew pass but this is something that I saw um, a, a lot of people said that locally that the Kashmiri journalists found it harder to get curfew passes but the ones who had gone from Delhi found it easier uh, so so that's uh, and the curfew passes were being issued by the DC's office uh, so that's something but like for instance on Saturday two days before Eid a lot more uh, movement was made possible for people and for journalists so each day has has been sort of different, I would say, and also which areas you're moving around. So for instance, uh, there are uh, some neighborhoods uh, that are low risk neighborhoods, let's say, where there is no as not as much uh, volatility that there may be in like downtown areas or SORA, which has sort of emerged as the epicenter of the protests. So in those areas, obviously, like, you know, security is much tighter and going in and out of there is nearly impossible. But then there are other areas which are much more accessible. So it really depends on as journalists, where you're roaming around uh what you have access to whether you are moving with uh with like some of the officials slash security forces or you're moving on your own or are you moving with your local journalists so so all of those things really define your experience i would say
1: i see but um you are yet to file your report
2: no uh we've done a three uh from there
1: so how are you sending them across from there.
2: Well, uh, one I did once I came back and uh the sec- the first one I managed to uh, uh to file through a phone that I found Working, um, so I had to dictate it over the phone. Uh, the second one I filed through the media center that was set up a couple of days back, uh, where they've set up four computers um, with a internet very internet s- access. Not internet access. I mean, those four computers have like wired uh, net, so you have to use those computers to be able to file. And it was very slow. It took me like 15 minutes to send like one document, uh, and yeah. uh, and the third one I filed when I came back.
1: I see. So, uh, Anand, do you have anything to say on the entire video? I mean, I'll just say my bit. I, and after your piece, i just like to go back to Neha and ask her about that. You know that video that people are referring to as fake video? In fact, a couple of channels did prime time. One hour shows on it fake. And they've. I mean, I just found it ironic that, you know, journalists sitting on Republican Times are questioning the journalistic credibility of others. I just think it's really funny. But that video, now it's clear. I mean, I don't know what a fake video is, first of all. I mean, is it an animation that is pretending to be, you know, motion picture? Or uh, I, I mean, I don't understand what people mean by fake video. But if there is a specific kind of complaint or allegation that this is what is fake about it, then so the timing obviously was after the 4th of August because they were talking about the repealing because that is what the banners are being held up. The physical structures and properties... Of all the trees, the mosque, the signage, it was clear that it is Kashmir and not Pakistan-occupied Kashmir. So those two things were clear. The timing and and there were enough people to say, okay, if not thousands, at least a couple of thousand, in that final top shot. So those three things were beyond doubt. Now I find it amazing that journalists said no, that's fake because the home minister said this didn't happen. And then five days later the home minister said this did happen. I'm just wondering how do those journalists still write a piece and how are they in employment? I mean, I I, th- I think it's... But the one thing that I will say is that the BBC text said opened fire, quote unquote. Now, I haven't seen any report and I believe if there was a someone with bullet injuries, it would be, you know, we would know about it by now because there is enough journalists such as yours, such as Ayush, who don't want to hush anything up. Um, there is no evidence of any uh, cartridges being found... So my hunch is that BBC heard that sound and India may fire blanks to scare people often. Uh, So maybe they were blanks, maybe it was a sound that sounded like a gunshot but wasn't. But I find it unlikely, even from a prudence point of view, that someone like Amit Shah, uh, no matter what you think of him, is actually going to ask security forces to open fire. I do think that claim has no evidence right now that there were bullets fired. Um, Anand, do you want to go with that and and what do you think of this whole fake news claim of BBC, and then we'll come back to Neha.
0: No, uh, see, um, there, in course of time, it would become a little footnote. So it's just the beginning. Uh, we will find many such episodes in weeks to come. And uh, just because there, I think, uh, have uh, there are four actors in there. One is the Indian state itself. Second is the people there. A third, Pakistan or our, uh, and by extension, an international community also. And the fourth is that the media itself has become a party. Mm. So these are the four set of actors there with very specific interests there. So the uh, whole. Claims would uh, be revolving around those interests. The state, obviously Indian state has braced up for that. It it, it has been indifferent to, it has made of a very uh, clear-headed approach that this time it is indifferent to international opinion. Hmm. And, uh, and by extension it should be indifferent to international media also, opinion also. Which uh, for some uh, reason, it has not been. I don't know why it should be so cagey about it. So, But it should be. It should be because uh, I think uh, the projects of civilizational states like Russia, China, or big states, big nation states, are not, or uh, these uh, extraordinary measures, are not met by Esc- Scandinavian approaches. So there is a conflict also, but uh, there is incompa- incompatibility of both approaches, which should, which cannot go together. So, in, with reference to the this specific video, now I think uh, there can be a lot of explanations. One the standard is that uh, that you cannot attribute malice to something which can be explained by stupidity. So. <laughs> It can be, but also the information gap in the go- government machinery itself uh, in diff- at different points of, or it could be a deliberate measure also to suppress information at a particular time, point of time and then release it. It c- could be both, I don't know. But there is another point that uh, the point that you were uh, uh, referring to is that uh, it's a vital point that whether gunshots were fired. So we still are not enlightened about that from both sides. There there are claims and counterclaims. Uh, Also... I, I I think you should resp- uh, can say I I would come to um, I'm, I'm uh, gonna, a um, different point, but yeah, I it wanna, can it cannot be a, a part of it. Actually, so. I want to
1: come to the international aspect of it, but we'll just come after uh, uh, about this specific claim. And sorry, someone has told me that they've said and what is it, it said? Shots fired or gunshots fired? They could have meant blanks also. I was like, no. If you say blanks fired, then you say blanks fired. But if you're making that claim... Right.
2: Uh, well, uh, uh, we also reported on the protests that you're referring to. And um, I have seen the BBC video. I haven't uh, seen their reporting because when I was there, I had no access to uh, what everyone else was doing. Uh, but I think the first point here to make clear is that uh, there was an active uh, attempt by the government to sort of... Uh, Deny, uh, the, protest uh, uh, deny all, yeah. the protest, which obviously did happen. Um, we also wrote about it based on footage that we had access to. Uh, it was not the BBC footage, but other footage that we found. And also based on eyewitness accounts that we found at the hospital, uh, uh, plus some of the injuries that uh, people injured uh, that we spoke to. Uh, so we had a similar uh, report as well about that there was... A Massive protest and that there was uh, police action against it. Uh, what we reported was that there was tear gas and pellet uh, guns that were fired. Right. And then, of course, the second aspect that was uh, that was also um, two statements that came out that same evening after the MHA. One was by the Kashmir police, which said no single instance, incidents of, incident of firing had taken place. Uh, now, that was also a statement that um, was somewhat vague and, um, you know, slightly... Um, incorrect if I can say because uh, firing in the sense like pellet uh, Sure, pellet guns also f- sure. Y- is firing you know, sure. is firing uh, so, the cla- so then later they are now saying that oh but when we say firing we only mean bullets um, anyway uh, so I don't know what the BBC wrote because I, I was not able to read that but we made it clear in our reporting that uh, you know uh, there was tear gas and pellet firing so by firing uh, that was clear uh, there was no like mention of obviously um,
3: cartridges um, yeah right. hmm.
2: Exactly. And we did not also find any casualties. So uh, so that's that. Uh, and and now both of those statements have sort of been taken back by uh, by the government. First, they said, yes, there was an incident, miscreants. Um, and then the second uh, sort of U-turn was yesterday when uh, the ADGP Kashmir said, yes, there have been a few pellet injuries, which means that there were. Uh, Absolutely. So, so on both counts, they have actually rolled back. Um, and I think that largely happened because the BBC managed to put out a video. If there was no video evidence, then they could they have continued continue to, continue to say it. that. Absolutely. And and any other kind of reporting, and at least uh, as far as I know, uh, on Friday and Saturday, most of the reporting on this incident was um, uh, in the international press. Uh, they may have been national reports, but again, I did not have access to this. Yeah, no,
1: I, uh, Siddharth, Siddharth from WIRE was, I mean, I saw his video dispatches from there. In fact, he flew there and flew back because he had the video of Yes, that's of those, the way a lot of people the, have been the reporting. Pellet injuries. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I hear what you're saying, though. I still do think that that BBC is that text. Uh, I mean, but, you know, also the the JNK police, I thought it was very interesting and carefully worded where he said that the police has not resorted to any firing, that he did not say that there was no firing. Uh, And, of course, some people have interpreted that, that the police may not fire, but the army or the paramilitary forces may so yeah i think it's it's the detailing that one should look at but i want to come to the international aspect of this entire conflict and does it matter or does it not matter but before i do that just want to remind our listeners that the media number videos are available on youtube and on facebook do check them out also pay to keep news free subscribe to news laundry because when the public pays the public is served and also please rate our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us from we are on Castbox. we're on stitchy we're on all podcast platforms and if you rate us highly we'll get discovered more by other people and therefore the burden on just the limited few of you who are supporting us will be less and more people can support us and we can do lots more reports the full episodes of Hafta are available on CastBox many of you people have problems accessing us from our app which I agree is very buggy and we've been working on it for the longest time and will continue for a while now but until then we are now on CastBox CastBox is a very simple app to use Those of you listening to us on iTunes and stuff, this is an old... You only get the older ones because the latest three are not on iTunes because you have to pay for those. Those are only for subscribers. Uh, The free podcasts are only released three weeks later. So if you want to listen to us completely new, fresh, the week that they recorded or the day that they recorded, then you can subscribe to CastBox. How you do this is, uh, you know, you download the CastBox app, it's on iP- Apple Store. The- in that, you search for NL Hafta. And once you're on NL Hafta, you click on the lock icon inside the latest Hafta track because the old Haftas are free. It'll lead you to the payment page. Click on the amount, complete the payment process, and you will get access to all the latest episodes of Hafta as well. Uh, it's 590 rupees with the first month free. Why it's that much on CastBoxes? Because 30% goes to Google. 18% goes as tax. And the amount of So CastBox is a friction-free experience until our our own app is ready. You can go there and get the latest and pay for good journalism and keeping it independent. Uh, Now, before I go on to the headlines, I have a couple of emails. We've got a lot of emails, so we couldn't pick all of them, but we've picked a few. So let me start by Ashish Kothari's. Hello, News Lawner team. I'm a big fan of Hafta and I have been listening to it for four years now. What I most admire about Hafta is that you invite people belonging to various ideologies, right-leaning, left-leaning. Having said that, I'm not particularly a fan of Abhinandan's rants on Hafta. I listen to Hafta because you have a civil discussion about the news headlines of the week, even when panelists have differing views. And Abhinandan's rants just spoil the mood. If I want to hear people ranting about stuff, I would go on Twitter or YouTube, not news laundry. He just doesn't want to listen to a counter view during his rants. He always wants to have the last word in such situations. In the last hafta, I did appreciate the way you discussed the issue of Article 370, which is a very sensitive topic in my opinion. But towards the end, Abhinandan's rant put me off. Granted that Indians do not treat each other in a dignified way, but whether Indians are the worst lot in the world, I think is debatable. And I felt that Abhinandan was not ready to accept this point. Even after Anand asked, how are Indians different from people in other third world nations? I can rant more about Abhinandan's previous rants, but I don't want to start a boxing match with Abhinandan. So I request Abhinandan that dude keep your rants under control as it leads nowhere and it doesn't add to the discussion that you have on Hafta. Thanks. A podcast subscriber. Thank you for your support, Ashish. Thank you for your subscription and thank you for this email that I completely disagree with. But thank you nevertheless. I think I have earned the right to rant I have worked very hard all my life and listened to others Arab bari. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, you know, I think your uh, your expectation that I'll be convinced of something in a one-hour conversation are unrealistic. Uh, but yeah, but thank you for your feedback nevertheless. We have another email and this is from Prakash Ayer. He says, Hi, NewsRolli team. A long-time subscriber. Love your work. In Hafta 234, your guest Sushant Sarin reminded me of Desi uncle who seemed knowledgeable, articulate, but upon slight pro- prodding, they show they are full of B.S. Whenever pushed, all his responses were to, To hua? What's wrong with about it? It's subjective. That's your opinion. I suspect Abhinandan just wanted to show subscribers that even when news laundry gets someone from the right wing who is not disgusting, they still don't make any sense. I propose a screening test for guests. If they find anything positive about Arandap Goswami's work, then no need to invite them. It's a pretty low bar, but since people like Sareen do slip through the cracks, something needs to be done. Also, any expected ETA on the deep dive on merit reservation topic. Prakash, actually, that can only happen now when Manisha comes back. She's away for her whatever fellowship. Um, well, I, I I kind of agree with you. Actually, Sushant is a good friend of mine, although we've never agreed all our lives. Uh, and I do think that he doesn't mean what he says about Republic and he's he knows why he goes there. It's because of the check he gets. But um, again, Ashish will may consider this a rant i do think most of the indian what we call the right wings position are indefensible because they either get demolished on logic or consistency which are the two cornerstones of of i think sensible debate uh, because of how inconsistent those positions are uh, and also you end up having to defend some rather strange people in your camp so i think it's it's a it's not a difficult argue, it's not an easy argument So I always appreciate people who come here and are willing to have that because most people from that point of view would just rather sit on panels and shout at each other. So therefore, your um, inconsistencies cannot be exposed. Anyway, a few headlines then, Anand, I'm going to come to you with about Kashmir, what you wanted to say. The headlines are one is, of course, on Article 370. Most of the headlines this week were about Article 370. The Independence Day speech was also a lot to do with Article 370. And again, uh, the Prime Minister uses the Independence Day speech as a political speech uh, for his party and not for the Indians, especially when he refers to aapne Yenikya and aapne wo I'm not sure who he's referring to. Is he talking to the Congress? Is he talking to the whole country that we are all incompetent fools? I've, I find his speech is extremely problematic. Uh, not the ones at at his rallies, but when he's addressing the nation as the Prime Minister. And I think it's disgraceful, and I'm surprised no one calls him out on that. He also announced there'll be a chief of defense staff. It's been a long-term project, and I have no view on it. Maybe Anand can tell us why it's desirable or not, because I have no idea. Then R.P. pen drives and gumption, how journalists in Kashmir are dealing with the communication blockade. I highly recommend you read it. Ar- Ayush has filed it from there. Greater Kashmir journalist has been detained. Um, we've reported on this. His family hasn't been told why. His name is Amin Malik, Irfan Amin Malik. He's 28. And, you know, the journalist has been picked up. And there is no specific charge or reason given. It's, it's, it's very... He's oh, he's been released? Okay. May just today? Okay, fine. So what, what did they say? Why did they arrest him in the first place?
2: They never have any answers to most questions.
1: Okay. Then, days after calling, reports of unrest in Srinagar, Sora fabricated MHA admitted to the incident. Jeff, we've just discussed it at the beginning. Then the national conference moved Supreme Court against the president's order in Article three seventy. I have find highly unlikely there's going to be any any judgment on this in the next few years. Then the China stance on the decision by Indian government in Kashmir. It says it is seriously concerned about the Indian government's recent decision, etc. etc. Pakistan goes to the United Nations Security Council and Poland, that right now is holds the presidency, has said that they should figure it out bilaterally. Uh, the UN Security Council is going to hold a rare closed-door meeting on Kashmir today as we are recording this. Imran Khan attacks Kashmir and he says, quote, I'm afraid this RSS ideology of Hindu supremacy, like the Nazi Rn supremacy, will not stop at IOK. Instead, it will lead to suppression of Muslims in India and eventually lead to targeting of Pakistani, the Hindu supremacist version of Hitler's Lebensram, unquote. And the Samjhauta Express has been blocked, as has the delhi lahore bus service been cancelled. So that's that. And, um... Oh, I almost forgot. Sonia Gandhi is the new president of INC. I saw that in the headline. Yeah, yeah. we should talk about that, actually. That's, that should be interesting. And regarding the floods, um, we shall have Sneha joining us. And she can tell us a little about that. Now, Anand, just wanted to, whatever else you want to say, please articulate. But I want you to also tell me, since you do read a lot about, you know, foreign affairs and foreign policy... I have never understood in all my life as a news professional, early as a journalist and as an entrepreneur, that what does one get if the West looks at you favorably or not? Like, we have been scoring one diplomatic coup after the other against Pakistan ever since I was a young boy uh, with NewsTrack. Oh, we have shown them their place. So Clinton came and met, you know, our prime minister, and he met Mukesh Ambani, and he said we will do refining together But he did not do any such thing there. Oh, no one went and met him. So now, even if the international, you know, internationally, if anyone frowns at us or says you are bad or it makes fuck out difference, man. I mean, I think the major issues are internal. Why do these become such huge talking points? Do they make shit of a difference what others think that we are doing or not doing?
0: yes it did It did. a lot of uh, decisions uh, say post independence on foreign policy was guided by India's say diplomatic strength or not no, or I understand so back so. then you yes. know, we were nothing now, country but I'm talking about now also that the state uh, if, if it has decided to be indifferent to international opinion it has floor managed of some favorable opinion beforehand so uh, in the balance of powers it has taken care of that uh, either some set of international actors would not be uh, concerned anyway means or those concerned it would be uh, uh, some maybe adversarial some may not be so it has floor managed it beforehand that way so it's a, a lot of things say, in foreign policy you don't do because of uh, how the big powers should respond.
1: But if there are repercussions, right? I mean, I can understand that, you know, during Indira Gandhi and Nixon's time that we were on the verge of war, he, there would be like actual interference. But we have this article. What Trump do? Deal, dealing with themselves. But Russia is dealing with their own shit. Europe is too busy dealing with and its own... And that,
0: that, that may be... The, the, this favorable international climate may be
1: one but of... But is this important the, enough what, even what, if it was unfavorable? What,
0: yes, it is. See, this, these are not very confrontationist times in international relations. Hmm. But that does not mean that the uh, that uh, coercive stick is out of way. Hmm. Uh, the, uh, still, international big powers can hurt you in different ways, okay. uh, in economic ways, and lo- there are a lot of other things that they can. So, yes.
1: That was just the international okay, thing. Doesn't matter yeah. what they say or what they think. Uh, you know, with Imran Khan is going to. No, do
0: not Imran hmm. Khan. But uh, uh, of course, uh, what they will look at is that what leverage Im- Imran Khan has with uh, the big powers. Hmm. So that that is.
1: And what what are the other aspects that you wanted to discuss about uh, this? That you would said? you
0: discuss uh, again Kashmir? Then maybe I. Can... I think
1: we will obviously this is going to be a big news uh, so for uh, the next Maybe two, I c-
0: no uh, what I'm saying that uh, for uh, be um, particularly British media in India uh, has a history of uh, viewing British media for, right for, after independence uh, as. Uh, a pro uh, probe with a pro- pakistan tilt I means hmm. it, it it has not been new uh, mm, uh, and uh, mm, yeah you see in um, i remember the, the in july nineteen ninety three times of india uh, published an interview of Nepal by Dilipad Gonkar in which he said that i read and those were not the times when average indian had uh, access to international media at the click hmm. uh, they were no inter- he said the independent uh, that is uh, uh, that was a broadsheet daily in britain which has now gone digital right. uh, so uh, now Again, they, maybe she, um, by extension uh, you don't uh, attribute to, say, uh, conspiracy something that you can explain by incompetence. Now, one of the narratives that the uh, newspaper uh, peddled was that the uh, migration of Kashmiri pundits f- uh, f- uh, in the late 80s or early 90s was an act uh, that was a deliberate act by the Indian state, so that it could get free hand in Kashmir. So hmm. it, it was not. Now, uh, Nepal said that I read it that the Indian correspondent in uh, of the Independent had put it in the papers, British papers. Now, how do you explain that that uh, to British people that it's not the act of the Indian state, that migration was hm uh, uh on pro, ground uh, events sure yes. so uh, also with uh, uh, B- bbc the p- perception in india is that right after partition uh, it had a um, uh, pro pak tilt i mean it is not specific to this government Uh, previous governments also had this perception.
1: I mean, yeah, previous governments have also cursed international media whenever anything, you know, unflattering, unfavorable was was pointed out, but uh, yeah, but I just think that when one is talking about a specific instance, a specific video, there should be a specific allegation. One can't generally say fake news and start shouting that, you know, one always does fake news. So I think that that's a big problem. I'd just like to speak about the Pehlu Khan case uh, after this. Yeah, before that, I have a couple of emails. This email is from Smith Deekshit. Smith, okay. I've been a subscriber for a while under a different account, but I would just like to say I really enjoyed Hafta last week. I have a feeling that you'll get a lot more mail due to the substantial news about Kashmir and Article 370, and I have few thoughts I'd like to share and get opinions on. I think most reasonable people can agree that the process of rendering 370 null wasn't the most democratic in spirit. There are disagreements about the merits of having such a provision in our constitution, about having a one country, two systems that has now been put to an end. This isn't really about that, but rather the nature of what I call the broader argument on the liberal and nationalist side of things. From my perspective, one of the core tenets of a classical liberal position is the belief in freedom of movement. That a human should be should have the right to travel and settle where they wish. UDHR, Article 13. Abhinandan's elucidation on how it was more difficult for him to get an inner-line permit for Arunachal than a U.S. visa struck a chord with me. In my estimation, this xenophobic restriction in JNK due to 370-35A is decidedly illiberal and was rightfully removed. It is interesting to note that an Indian citizen can do in Nepal, a foreign country, what they couldn't in a supposedly integral part of India. Article 7 of Indo-Nepal Treaty of Peace and Friendship I see a contradiction here between those who believe that the NRC and deportation of families who have lived for generations in Assam is inhumane, which it is, but do not afford the same rights to the families of refugees from West Pakistan and JNK, which is also inhumane, or even other fellow Indian citizens. On the other hand, while the nationalist right-wing perspective is more simplistic and not very humanist, it is more consistent. Indians stay, foreigners go. If JNK is India, Indians stay. Rohingya and Bangladeshis are not Indian, therefore they can't. This is what the nationalist position seems to boil down to. I'd like an opinion on the panel on this. I hope things turn out well for everybody and it really is up to the government now to show us that the means of their decision lead to a good end, Smith. So, why don't you give your comment on this first before we move on to the Pelukhan Khan case. Um, I think he's articulated well, there is a consistency in the nationalist position that Indians stay, foreigners go, doesn't matter where. And Kashmir is a part of that.
2: Well, I mean, I think that's a slightly like simplistic statement to make uh, without taking into account the special conditions uh, that Kashmir acceded to. Uh, You know, there are historical um, instances that we have to take into account and we can't say today this is the situation and today uh, since we don't want... uh, uh, rohingya's but we want um, india to be like this so so we discount what happened and what led to this so i think that recognition of what led to this is important and most importantly the way in which you implement things especially in a disputed region especially in a restive uh, volatile state um, What is in the best interest of the country, how you execute things is also as important as the decision. So I think here, not just the decision to revoke the article, but also the way it was implemented in this stealthy, surreptitious way uh, is also a matter of grave concern.
1: Uh, Anand, you want to tell Smith that there's consistency in the nationalist position and an inconsistency when you come and compare NRC and Kashmir? No, no,
0: there are inconsistencies in both. Uh, I think the theoretical aspects I have uh, spent quite... Uh, bit of time i i would uh, recommend that you read my piece <laughs> on on that mm. um, so because uh, i have addressed uh, the theoretical aspects of it uh, right. which he is referring to a bit tangentially but it is uh, and they are going to and uh, they are proceeding towards an academic debate on the theoretical aspects so um, uh, i have dealt it in a piece i wrote on monday you right. can read it, and that's uh, excuse for. Uh, right. Okay, Smith. Uh, my, sorry, I was saying that's an um, that may sound like an excuse for plugging my piece, <laughs> but I think that
1: uh, um, it, I I my thoughts are more clear there. So I right. Fine. so Smith, do check out Anand's piece. Uh, I mean, I will say this that while on the face of it, there's a certain consistency that you say that. Appears accurate. I don't think it is altogether consistent and accurate because I think the act that one suggests or prescribes comes from basic value. So nationalistic perspective is based on a value as is the liberal perspective. And the liberal perspective is based on a value that is very context-specific. Uh, and I would not separate the abrogation of certain aspects of Article 370 and how it was done. I don't think you can separate the two. The two are... Intertwined because the constitutionality of it is completely a part of how you remove it or don't remove it. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's complicated. We should do a longer piece on just Article 370. But before we discuss Pelukhan Khan and after that we'll discuss um, the floods in Kerala, Karnataka, and many other parts. We have Sneha joining us. Where are you, Sneha, right now? <laughs>
3: I'm right now in Tiruvannandapuram. I'm back in Tiruvannandapuram.
1: And you're back from where? Where all were you traveling to?
3: This time, there was not much of ground reporting involved as such because um, of various reasons uh, involved with the channel. But however, unlike last year, the impact for the floods really, Abinandan this time, has not been that expansive across the state. It's been severe in the districts, there, where uh, it has affected, and it's very, very worrisome, but the expanse is not as wide as right. it was in 2018.
1: I, I I read the piece that we were instructed to read before we got you on. So, and I noticed in that the environmental damage that has happened, and also the loss of life this time is um, not as much as there was last time. But before I, uh, you know, come to discussing the specifics of the news and the news cycle, I'd just like to introduce you to our listeners. Sneha Merikoshi has been a journalist for eight years with NDTV. She's the Kerala bureau head. She reports on all the south, right? So that's that's your main bureau in south across Tamil Nadu, Karnataka. Uh, no,
3: we have bureaus in every state, but you know, being okay. reporters, you
1: You got to cross borders, to. yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: And uh, you've reported from the United Nations Environmental Assembly in Kenya, and you've been following up with data and the strong impact of recent natural disasters are having in Kerala. In fact, your piece is gives a lot of instances of how environmental damage is causing much of the problems and loss of life and property. But uh, we'll just come to this uh, after the Pelukhan We were just in the middle of discussing that. Snehan, I'd like your perspective on that as well. Uh, I'd just like to tell our audience what happened. Uh, Pelu Khan, who was attacked and bashed up, beaten to death for allegedly smuggling cows, which apparently has not been proved even now. The district court has not been able to hold any of the attackers guilty. They have all been uh, barikarod by ke. Their names are Yadav, Ravendra Kumar, Kaluram, Dayanand, Yogesh Kumar, also called Dholia, and Bhim Rathi. The other three accused who were minors at the time of the crime are on trial at a juvenile court. I have no doubt they too shall get away. Um, before I get the panel's views, I would just like to give mine, as it says, my rant. I think anyone who was under any misconception or believes that there was any desire to get justice in this uh, can read what the judge has said. The police clearly ensured that the case that they took to court was not compelling enough or tight enough to get convictions. I do believe this is a dog whistle to send out the message that you can do shit like this and get away because this is us feeling strong. I think it's reprehensible. And I do think this is one of the reasons, Sumit, you were saying my rants, so I think this is one of the reasons why many in the right who we invite for debate or discussion don't come because they have gone on to defend things that now they will find very hard to defend. So it's easier to go to Arnab studio and shout and no one listens to anybody. But yeah, I think it's a disgrace for the police force and our political class who actually, even after this came, I don't know if any of you watched television, there were BJP leaders who were defending this verdict. And uh, I think that's all that needs to be said to prove what the intent was. I mean, we can go into the micro bits of this, but Sneha, um, I mean, I know you don't report from there. And I saw Harsha's report this morning from, from Rajasthan. What do you think this this... Tells us about the justice system. Do you think most people realize or are most people brilliant like Tavleen who says, oh, see, the Congress government is not interested in getting justice? Or is she that illiterate that she doesn't know that the charge sheet that was filed and the court that had started a process, no new evidence could be put halfway through?
3: You know, I think, uh, I must tell you, I've been speaking to a lot of reporters who've been part of this, reporting this incident. And all of them are so shocked because i know one of my colleagues saurabh shukla he actually went and recorded in an invisible camera about how a man was bragging about beating him and uh, beating pailukan and beating him to death and all he was literally bragging him bragging about this on a um, on a hidden camera and that was it was you, it, it sent shock waves across and then finally to have this judgment and we are very far away from this you know it's it's in kerala but even if you're in south of India, everybody's talking about this. Everybody's shocked that here is a man who was beaten to death and there's nobody who's convicted about it. That's that's one thing which perhaps everybody has been talking, even down south in Kerala.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm wondering, like, I remember when this thing happened with the Jessica Lal case, immediately all channels went to over and that case was actually re-examined on the basis of the Media outrage. That was one of the cases where the hysteria of the media, you know, was used for a productive purpose. Um, Why don't we see it now? Uh, And and would this make an international case? Because I do see that uh, Mr. Modi is more sensitive to international coverage than he is to national coverage. In fact, my nephew said when he saw that Bear Grylls, and I say this on Hafta all the time, he's laughing. He never laughs when he's talking to Indians. I said, yeah. When he's talking to Indians, look at everyone. You are all insects. Come wipe my shoes. But when he's like with that... Even that that CNN anchor, remember? He went to meet him. He he he's like his dant is like coming out of his five feet outside his mouth. But yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think uh, your point about why there is no, um, you know, outrage in me, in the media about it is that half of the media uh, actually, you know, believes the same thing as many of the right wing supporters do that these are not cases that need to be uh, prosecuted in the way, and uh, pe- people like Pehlu Khan are probably cow smugglers, and so they, uh, you know, deserve to be lynched. So, of course, there is that uh, a lot of the press uh, now. Has that sentiment as well, so obviously they are not going to, you know, uh, outrage about this. And the ones that uh, who try and attempt and uh, report otherwise, or try to go, uh, go for, uh, you know, like what she was t- uh, talking about, her NDTV colleagues expose uh, those get discredited by uh, social media trolls who will call it fake news or who will brand it as like, you know, oh, it's NDTV and that's why. So I mean, um, even uh, even now, like I, I've, it's been so many years since I left NDTV. TV and uh, a lot of times the trolls uh uh, will read my pieces in the post and be like, oh, she's from NDTV, that's why she's writing like this, or you know, uh, so that's always a stick f- uh, for them to beat you with. And uh, beyond that, what else can you do when when media itself is divided uh, on on the nature of coverage and on uh, what deserves to be uh, you know uh, reported in which way? And of course, when you have ministers garlanded convicting a convicted accused uh, of lynchings, then that's the message that goes down to the press as well.
1: Anand, your view on this case, and uh, do you think it is appropriate for BJP spokespersons to kind of soft defend this after this case was announced yesterday?
0: Now, you see, there are some signature cases. These, this is one of the significant cases. So um, there may other cases also like that. Uh, my position has been that the problem in India is uh, more of mob justice then mob lynching means the instant justice now uh, let me inform you that today in the today in the morning a piece of news has come from the same place alwar that uh, the father of uh, an uh, of a victim of mob lynching uh, committed suicide uh, because uh, he thought that the police was not probing it, it appropriately, the probe was not going in his favor and he was being threatened by the father of, an, uh, of the accused. Mm. Now, it was a case of uh, neither cow smuggling nor cow protection. It was a case of bicycle, uh, uh, sorry, a motorcycle uh, accidentally means uh, hitting uh, old women mm. and the crowd gathered and killed that person and uh, uh, the police was uh, of the view that it was his death was because of uh, the accident itself mm. so uh, but uh, now the father of the accused threatened him uh, 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 the uh, save the father of the victim and uh, you see uh, uh, so the religions change here because the accused mm. uh, the the main accused is a Muslim Hmm. and this uh, and uh, I think it uh, let us see how big news this makes Hmm. because he has committed suicide today morning only Hmm. anyway I think uh, what the BJP spokespersons did or other right-wing people are doing in justifying this is uh, this kind of uh, miscarriage of justice is that uh, even if the narrative is divided, they should have taken the other way out. That there are a lot of cases where cow smugglers kill policemen, hmm. they kill people. Uh, 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 right under the nose of many TV channels in Greater Noida, hmm. cow thieves have killed villages. Hmm. So instead of siding with the obvious wrong, on the part of so uh, they're trying to shift uh, the narrative uh, no, on the on the part of cow protectors mm. uh, they are trying to justify their violent acts mm. if they have to push an agenda mm. why don't you pick up cases where cow is smugglers other injustices the, are done, done. Mm. so You're saying strategically, (laughs) that may be more palatable. (laughs) Even for your agenda, it would be more uh, uh, fruitful rather than siding with the obvious wrong. Hmm. So, uh, that is uh, also, you see, like... uh, in Karnataka last year or perhaps in 2017, an India Today reporter was thrashed by uh, by a cow slaughter house in Karnataka down uh, in south. Mm. And except India Today website, I have not seen it, uh, though, Covered it, by the, the, the though a journalist was involved, I have not seen it on any website, mm. including Media Watch websites. Really? We didn't cover it? No, we should have got a piece n- on this. No, we didn't. Karnataka. <laughs> yes.
2: I'd hmm. like to slightly hmm. differ from Anand. Uh, the first part that you said, that you know, like when the religion change, it's different. No. I think there is a there is a. What I'm saying is I that... think there is a difference between a hmm. a crime and accident or uh, or a targeted uh, case, and and these are targeted case. Uh, targeted hate crimes, and we have to recognize them and separate them from regular crimes or accidents that may take place, which may which may have uh, a difference of uh, uh, of uh, religions, as you said.
0: No, uh, here I am not saying that this was it would be not covered because of religion. I am just I was just clarifying that it's not it's not a hate crime. It was an accidental crime. So uh, if if someone is getting impression that it was a a cow-related hate hate crime or the the, victim, it was not. The second Second is that uh, a lot of... uh, uh, I I, I have earlier spoken on this. A lot of this cow smuggling or cow protection crime, uh, if you go to villages, they are... because cow is such an economic resource for a lot of families lot of them are not uh, 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 always guided by this religious element in that, uh, that uh, uh, but this ra- specific
1: ra- one i think was clear ra- ra- ra-
0: rather ra- than there is snatching of an economic resource uh, and even but even most even of the mobs even, that e- e- are killing people
2: for cow related things are not uh, villagers they are they are Nobody members youth. of members
0: of uh, maybe, certain right-wing groups, are, most of them. No, mm. so, okay. what I am saying is that in the highlighted cases in national media, you may be right. Mm. But if you look at the local news in vernacular press, there are always, every day you will find 10, 15 incidents of such violence.
1: No, I have no doubt. In fact, there was one day before yesterday as well, which was uh, completely, but I do think the entire thing of whether it is a hate crime or not is a grey area and I think for one of the reasons why the hate tracker was uh, you know there was an attempt to discredit it by uh, in fact one of my friends used to sit here on the hafta I think was uh, a little silly uh, and it was very transparent which is why many of them don't engage in debate because I mean this has been very well done in the uh, new episode of that game's sacred games, where it appears to be a fight because of cricket. But it's not. It's more than that. It starts off that you are out, no, I'm not out, and we get into a fight. But what it leads to is clearly because that guy's Aurangzeb and this guy's, uh, you know. So I think that it's it's a, a tricky one. But uh, yeah, so those of you listening uh, and when you're talking to your friends and some say, but they it's been in Congress. Ke raj mein hua. Do explain to them the process of investigation. And a lot of people say, since the court has said this, that's fine. The court only goes by what, and we have explained this earlier on the Hafta, by whatever the prosecution puts. Now, let's move to the South. You know, we are often correctly criticized, Sneha, that when there is a slight drain overflow in Delhi, there's life coverage wall to wall. But I will say, ever since we have a lot of really good reportage from the South, from people like Sneha, my friend Dhanya and and some others. Other than that woman who drowned in that Canada Channel, which was pathetic. But now that doesn't happen, you know. Earlier, even like if a bird shat in Delhi, it was like, oh my God, look, the cars become dirty. That is not. But still, until I read your reports, Neha, I didn't realize that four hundred people died last year because of flooding in Kerala. I didn't know that, and that's that's a big number. Yeah, I think that would have caused. Wall-to-wall coverage. And what you're saying is, uh, this has a lot to do with those empty mines and um, the paddy cultivation has gone to what, 2 lakh hectares from 8 lakh or something? But don't you guys eat chawal? I mean, here even Punjab has started eating chawal, yeah? Why, 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 Why don't you grow paddy anymore? Why is this happening?
3: See, firstly, let's face it, the density of population is massive for Kerala. In comparison to the land available, the density of population is way high. But you know, coming to the point about how 400 people died in 2018, that is also very, very important to move away in terms of a narrative. Because often when we come to environmental reporting or very critical areas, the importance of it kind of gets marginalized because there may not be huge human numbers involved. Sure. So, Mm -hmm. 400 in 2018 is a very big number, but 60 in comparison or 100 in comparison may not sound that big, but the end of the day, it's just the inaction or the lack of what is supposed to be done or even just simple absence of data that is causing someone to lose their family member practically every monsoon season, drought season across India including south of Kerala and south of India. And Kerala is no different. And
1: also, your um, uh, the, the rain you guys got this time was 400% more than normal. So, what is normal? Like, I mean, how is a normal discussed? If everybody is getting this, should we, like, re-look re at what is normal?
3: Um, so, basically, since, you know, the IMD for decades now, I think from, from the time of our independence has been uh, looking at data and uh, collating it. So, you know, an average is taken that this is how much during a particular date. So it's not seasonal. It's like for a week, then a month, and it's collated. that this much percentage of rainfall is expected during the monsoon season. Mm. So it is in reference point to that. So when we say, um, um, I'll just get out the data for uh, just since you're talking about it. So it was just... Uh, this data came out essentially for 8th August to 14th August yesterday. Very right. neatly tucked away in the IMD website. And I was quite shocked seeing it myself. When we look at what was expected for 8th of August to 14th of August just for Kerala. This is not for other southern states. Right. The normal would have been 105.8 millimeters for that one week. How much did we get? We got five five hundred 515.3 millimeters. That's 387% excess. Hmm. If you go down into details, Malapuram, one of the districts where people are still still missing, around 27 people are still missing, the death toll has increased. There was around a 500% excess in that district. And this is not just for Kerala. Across um, India, we're seeing these patterns. Karnataka, you've had spells and spells of drought year after year and then in 2005, if I'm correct, and 2009 and then 2019, you have floods. Kerala, again if you see, drought after drought, 2017 I think was the worst year of drought I in didn't know 15, was... 20 years. Oh, there was a
1: drought in Kerala? Okay. I... okay but 2017
3: I... was one of the worst droughts in 15 right. years. Okay. So 15, 16, 17 were 3 drought years. 18 we all saw, like it was not just a part of Kerala, it was whole Kerala inundated practically. And then 2000, everybody said 2018, okay, that's like one in a once in a century, very unusual, will not happen again. 2019, we are no better.
1: So your, your report says because there's somewhat 50, you know, old mines that are just lying there, the, the, the mountains are becoming unstable because of that. But to answer my question, uh, paddy, uh, I mean, they've stopped growing paddy there because of what? Because of habitation? I mean, that's become like residential and commercial areas? Or is it because they they're growing something else or they're doing something else?
3: Well, everything is there. So filling of land is happening. Then you need to have construction somewhere. Flats need to come up somewhere. Houses need to come up somewhere. It's easier. It's more lucrative. You get more uh, money from those who are off, offering to buy those paddy lands. Um, it's difficult to sustain uh, growth of paddy anyway uh, in several parts of Kerala. It, uh, the paddy lands len, paddy have got fragmented over the years so all of those reasons have really, you know, mo- uh, only accentuated the fact that from 8, lakhs, 8 lakh hectares, we are down to like around 2 lakh mm. hectares in just about 30 years' time. Kerala was never self-sufficient with paddy; It was never self-sufficient with rice. Mm. It used to always buy more rice, but now though it's completely on that. You hardly have any indigenous varieties also. One of the reasons why monocropping is also becoming an extreme challenge for all states which are really facing this kind of an environment uh, extremity.
1: Right. So I, I must say, when I used to shoot high on my plate, and you know, we used to drive all over. Kerala was one of my favorite. We went there several times because hey, the roads there are pretty decent. In, but the worst road I've ever come across is, and I remember my my friends and the hosts, Rocky and Mayor used to keep teasing me that you're a commie, you're a commie. And we were driving from Kurg to Kerala. And you pass one of the worst roads I've ever come across in my life. Like we got off and started walking because we were faster than the cars because the potholes were like a foot and a half deep. And as soon as we crossed the border into Kerala, the road became very good. I said, so much for being calm. Now you guys can sit and don't have to walk. But anyway,
3: but, but Abhinanda, let me just tell you this, since you're mentioning Korg, Kul in Karnataka is like facing the worst disasters year after year. Very underreported. The kind Mm. of environmental crisis, the changes, the landslides—around 150 landslides in 2018 during that monsoon spell—very underreported. And uh, you know, these are all pockets. But you know, where people.
1: I sorry. I think one of the reasons is at least I don't know if Korg has changed. But when I was shooting there, it was rather—it's strange. As a region, it has a few resorts and nice places, but there's nothing happening. as you don't get an idea if there's any economic activity happening. So other than tourists and people who were going to shoot the tourists i didn't see anyone there if it's it's a you know what i mean in kerala you see that different people doing different things for different reasons so maybe that's why no one's interested in kore but yeah i i didn't know it was facing such severe problems
3: so basically for anything to happen for those resorts to come up hmm. you need some kind of roads for anything to sustain that you need so what is happening all the slopes are being used there because there's nothing else you have to get your right. inside those slopes in middle of those slopes of those mountains that's the biggest trigger according to the Geological Survey of India research.
1: I see. Okay, just stay with us. I have a f- two more emails to read and then I just like the panel's views on uh, what's happening with the Congress. I think it is fascinating. And um, But before that, this email is from divyang Upadhyay. Hi team, this is my third letter to News Laundry and it's a super short one. I've been a subscriber for more than two years. Over the past few days, I've watched some truly great shows including The Boys on Prime dark on Netflix and some episodes here and there of The Office. Yet that sequence of Manisha and Meghna dancing to the News 18 music with disco lights while screaming, I'm so happy, in the latest Nuisance video scored the highest in entertainment value by far. Keep the good work going. Also toward the end of last news only, Haftar was pretty clear that Joy was indulging in Whataboutery with regard to your discussion on reporting and Republic. And I think he himself knew it and was mildly frustrated by it. Apart from that, a great voice to have on the Haftar. Can you get Hartosh again? Sure, Divyang, will get Hartosh again. He's been traveling, but yeah, now he's back in town. So we'll have him back on the hafta. And I have one more email. This one's from Dhiraj. Hi, all. I want to write a huge letter on 370 expecting you to go ultra left wing. But I think the discussion on 370 is quite tempered and good. Well, obviously, Ashwin doesn't agree with you. Sorry, Ashish. Ashish Kothari, as my producer, Kartik, has corrected me. Sorry, Dheeraj, I don't think Ashish agrees with you. Anyway, so uh, Dheeraj says, So I thought I would say Patel died in 1950. And the article came into force in 1954. The whole process of JNK Constituent Assembly started in 1949. So my belief is Patel did not probably have much to say on this. Wiki says he was sick the whole of 1950. I just thought it apt to remind them that 1986 election being muddled was the real nail in the coffin. Yes, you are right, I believe. And uh, NC and PDP never really represented Kashmir. The plebiscite in 1947 did not happen because Pakistan did not withdraw its forces. You are correct again. If there was a plebiscite, do you think Pakistan or even India would withdraw its forces? No, I don't think so. My two-pence democracy is alive and kicking in India. Deal with it. And when you compare it to other countries, remember that the population is 1.3 billion. The only thing comparable is the EU. Try reading about it before you say, how can I make such a similarity or a comparison? EU is 28 diverse countries and India is 28 diverse states. I find it hard that their subscribers did not like Sushant's words and call themselves liberal because what they are doing is the cornerstone of conservatism identifying the other, Dhiraj? So Dheeraj, uh, quickly I'll get the panel's views on your mail, uh, but I'll give you mine. Uh, the one statement of yours I find most easy to reject is democracy is alive and kicking in India, deal with it. Uh, that is a statement which is as sensible as fascism is alive and kicking in India, deal with it. You see, there is democracy and there is illiberalism and there is fascism and there is All sorts of stuff. Just like you have quickly gone on to say we are a country of 1.3 billion and it's so diverse. So are uh, political formations. So if you are a journalist in Kashmir and someone read that, he would laugh at you, Dhiraj. Um, But if you are probably sitting in the news laundry office, he would agree with you. So I find such absolute statements uh, the most problematic because they completely misrepresent what maybe even you're trying to say. And uh, as far as what is the other thing you said, India and Europe, yeah, I think that comparison is completely and besides we've seen what's happening there. So um, it's I think there's a cultural difference as well. I don't believe in 2019, a bunch of people who are caught on camera lynching anyone, even in the most backward of a European country would have anyone defending them. They would be too embarrassed. There are certain basic human values, and I don't see why, as an Indian, you have to be self-conscious saying it. And you know, you've criticized me earlier. Uh, we are very primitive in a lot of ways, which you represent. Sorry, uh, Neha, you can give your view on that. sneha Anand, and then we will come to the Congress.
0: He has said too many things. So, <laughs> so, uh,
1: so. Um, I think
0: uh, his there that would be an injustice to um, for a two minute reply to a lot of things sure. that he has touched. So there is obvious one thing is uh, the alive and kicking now yeah, the claims of uh, nation state and the the tense and the mm. subterranean tension between the claims of nation state and uh, uh, what is uh, called constitutional patriotism. Now there are lot of uh, gray areas in that I, again I would plug in my piece I have tried to <laughs> address address that in my piece that basically uh, Anand's
1: piece is the Karl Granth that the yeah. Swamiji of Sacred Games wrote whatever <laughs> questions you have just read his piece so it means my position
0: on these <laughs> questions it is it is, it is uh, not like that it is key to all questions Aray, But, uh, but uh, my, you should oversell Anand don't undersell bro my, my position on that that what are the limitations of constitutional patriotism and uh, why the claims of nation-state is still thriving and why both would run parallel in foreseeable future. So, that, that is what I have addressed. Some of the areas that he has raised would be
1: addressed there. Okay. Sneha, you have anything to say to Dhiraj's mail? before? I know you have to go, but I would like your views on two things before we quickly let you go. But to his mail, do you have anything to say?
3: See, I'll just tell you this. We are in very, very um, very interesting times in India. And uh, as you said, the, the diversity is so huge. Like sitting down south, I mean, at the end of the day, I've come to this conclusion. You will gift the democracy to yourself as good as the person is. People are gifting themselves the democracy. So if you are active in the democratic process, if you're holding your elected people responsible. Like for example, you know, I'm just coming back to this because this is something which which is really, I'm in awe of. Um, I came to Kerala just seven years back. I've, I've not lived in Kerala per se. When I came here, it just amazed me if an MLA and an MP doesn't reach the place when the people require that MLA and MP, you are in for such serious trouble. Hmm. people are not going to close their eyes. Hmm. You, this, that will stay with you for the rest of your career and people will not forget that even when you come back to elections. That, I think, is the spirit of Indian democracy, which I hope, which I sincerely hope, is going
1: to last in India. But you don't see that in other parts of the country, at least not up north and stuff. Yeah. Here, the i like, come and slap you, say, what are you doing here? Let's say, sorry, I'll give you a Anyway. Huh? <laughs>
2: Well, I, I can just say it in response to his mail that, uh, you know, when he thinks that democracy is alive and kicking, yes, of course, um, I think a lot of people feel that way. But a lot of people also feel differently. So I would urge like uh, Dheeraj to also think about why so many people are speaking about uh, speaking differently and, and to try and see why that is happening. And I think that's a question that all of us, if we engage with is going to be, uh, you know, the future for a healthy democracy.
1: Yeah, I think that's a little like saying life is is beautiful for everyone in India. It may be for some, it's not for others. That, that statement is... Sorry, Dheeraj, I, I, I may be sounding like I'm really beating down on you. I, I think there is... You're overstating something based on what you think. You think your truth is everybody's truth. And that's a big problem. So, Sneha, before we let you go, you know, we had done a piece a long time ago from Kerala. Because of that entire... Before the election, to 2014 election, there was this huge... Oh, and shortly after that, this huge, you know, the communist carder killing, RSS carder, RSS wallace killing there. And then when we spoke to people, we sent a reporter there to do an on-ground report. It appears that someone who was actually a hardcore LAL Salaam card-carrying member of the Communist Party has a fight and joins like RSS. And same thing the other way. I'm like, how can they flip so quickly? And what was told to me was that it's like, you have to belong to a gang. If you don't belong to a gang, you'll get killed. So if this gang, you've had a fight with the go join the other gang. It's got nothing to do with ideology. Is you've been there for seven years. A the battle isn't as bloody as it was, or is it just not reported? Because I remember in between 2014 to 2016, 17, every day there was some attack on the other. Someone was hacked to death. Yeah. Can you can you give me a little bit about that?
3: Okay. So firstly, um, I don't think in terms of what you're talking about, the um I call it an aberration about on the ground, CPM people shifting to the RSS people and RSS people shifting to the... I'm not talking about the leaders. I'm talking about, you know, the, the foot... The foot, foot soldiers. Leaders, the foot workers. The
1: soldiers. Yeah. Mm, the foot
3: soldiers. Foot soldiers. So, um, they are not... When it comes to the RSS and the left, you do not have crossovers that easily on the ground because these two... You can still think of Congress foot workers of foot soldiers moving in here and there. On RSS and CPM foot soldiers are very, very, very strong with the ideologies and not just that first generation, but it is something which just goes on from generation to generation also. Of course, there are deviations. There may be crossovers every now and then, but that is not how usually it happens. That's not That's
1: the normal. Hmm.
3: And... Secondly, in terms of uh, uh, you wanted to know about whether this is still continuing. Yeah, Is that
1: battle still as bloody or was it just around election time? It was a big deal and now we don't care about it. I have a
3: feeling that this was around the elections. um, Because soon post-elections, this was really not an incident which uh, which, which was seen much. You do still have instances now and then, but it is not the way that every... Every week you would wake up to some very, very horrific manner in which a person has been killed. That was not, that is not what it is happening right now. So it was around the election season that this was happening more. Um, But this is also, around the election season, it intensified. But this is also something which has been going on for decades in Kerala. it's, It's about certain pockets which are dedicated to certain parties and the opposing party trying to enter it. You know, there's something very... Peculiar to Kerala, there's this party villages, right. villages which are dedicated to a particular party. So another party trying to get inroads into that, trying to work through that, has often faced bloody resistance.
1: I see. Thank you, Sneha. Thank you for reporting. Uh, stay safe, and uh, we hope things get better in Kerala environmentally in the short term and the long term.
3: Thank you so much. Not just Kerala. I hope across India and this yes. is literally Sorry. a bomb ticking. And thank you for having me. Nice meeting all three of you.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
3: Bye.
1: Now, finally, after I think 70 days, 77 days with no chief, Sonia Gandhi has stepped up as the interim president and Rahul Gandhi has declined to take over the party. Comments, people. I I mean, I, mean, I have nothing to say. Because it was a headline, Karthik has written it, I'm saying it. I, I don't even know what to say about this. We've said enough.
2: Uh, well, I think it's, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's sort of like uh, the Congress's problem always. Like decision making has always been an issue, and without without uh, having a, a a head, it's it's even harder. I mean, even when they had a precedent, uh, decision making was was very slow, and and uh, there was always competing interests at play. So I think what's obviously happened is that. If uh, Rahul, while he was resigning, had sort of put a structure in place that okay, this is the team that's going to decide, or this is how they should decide. I mean, for obvious reasons, he didn't do that. But if if that had happened, maybe we would have actually uh, seen uh, seen uh, an alternative apart from the family. Uh, but it's uh, but with with the kind of uh, with the kind of uh, uh, competing interests of uh, senior leaders and and loyalties to different camps, it's obviously very hard. Um, so uh, unlike the BJP, which has like an RSS ideology, uh, which is the unifying force, uh, the Congress is... Uh, I, uh- Unifying force is the Gandhi family, so I'm not surprised that they had to sort of resort to uh, uh, to uh, pleading with Mrs. Gandhi once more. Uh, but obviously, that's not uh, something that will last very long, and that's not something that's going to take them in any any sort of clear direction or or way forward. Uh, so I guess like their best bet is that at some point Priyanka is going to accept uh, uh, or you know like agree to be something agree to do it, and I- in that interim time find someone or or even mrs. Gandhi to just sort of um, uh, pull them along um, with the elections or recently concluded there is also sort of less uh, less to do if I can say I mean uh, actually not but in their in their in their head it would be like okay elections have just gotten over we can sort of you know take our time with this but with several state elections coming up uh, you know they really need to kind of get their act together
0: what do you think? See, when uh, Rahul Gandhi took over as Congress president, so there was uh, uh, his uh, presidential takeover function at akbar Road. And when he came to speak, no, when Mrs. Gandhi came to speak uh, that uh, here is your new president, mm. she was passing on the baton. So there was loud crackers and she was very irritated and she went back she, she said that i would not uh, speak then she was i think persuaded by janardan dueti or, or some or, or, or any other sidekick uh, anyway so uh, um, so there was uh, what i am saying is that there was an air of finality about it that it or uh, you can say a sense of closure to a generational shift and uh, that hope uh, has been belied in such a short period of time that should uh, um, uh, is it is it a kind of uh, uh, say interregnum of uh, um, say she is uh, warming the seat for say as pointed out priyanka or mm. s- someone else now that needs to be taken uh, I mean that that uh, to use a cliché, time will tell. But uh, second, is uh, uh, what what she was pointing out was the it was the only way out of a faction-ridden uh, leadership claims. So. Uh, we overestimate the power of discipline in a cadre based party like BJP one must not forget that it is in power mm-hmm. it is very easy to be, be a very disciplined unit when you have the uh, glue of power mm-hmm. because the incentives to be disciplined are high right. uh, so workers are, are are looking for some rewards and something and also the punishment would be harsh they may lose a lot of things that may gain there is no nothing there is no incentive to be disciplined in Congress now yeah so uh, and what I think uh, I am recalling him after a long time what Manu said (laughs) that uh, uh, the appeal of Gandhi family is because it, it is everybody's second best idea in Congress. So every congr- aspiring congressman has Gandhi family as its second best idea. So uh, the power of second, everyone's second best idea, you must not underestimate it because it, can, <laughs> it cancels out because I can't be there, so what's the next? Now, th- mm. so it's the inherited uh, charisma I mean, uh, it, it's a typical uh, it's a very typical phenomenon in third world political prof, uh, uh, formations you either have charisma as a as an appeal of leadership or you have tradition but con- uh, but indian dynastic parties like the congress have this inherited charisma phenomenon that you in- inherit charisma from yeah appeal. i don't know so, about
1: that sorry. being true for any of these guys um i think other than Sachin who has a sincere face I think he's a terrible speaker I think Sindhya the less said about the better He's a disaster Uh, Rahul same I think the best bet for them Is that if they invite Kanaiya to lead the party I think
2: Kanaiya lost his election so I'm not sure But He
1: lost to a well oiled BJP and he gave Gir- Giriraj Singh a pretty good fight. There, I mean, I'm not no, saying. No, I mean that the
2: margin was pretty high. Yeah,
1: yeah. but no, but uh, he lost by more than four lakh. Roots. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he gave. A, you're talking about a guy with no resources, no political. This thing. What I'm saying is that if you take what the BJP had going for it, five years of you know the Modi juggernaut. But not,
2: Giriraj shifted his seat. Was well, you know was so, very unhappy. Did not campaign initially. So I, think, I mean I think Kanaya has been sort of overestimated no, no, a bit. I think
1: today's day and age. A good speaker is the most important thing you need. You need to speak well as a leader, that's it. You can be complete, you know, ignorant on all other policy issues as has been demonstrated by many of our wonderful leaders, including the man leading our country. Your knowledge on basic economic policy issues can be negligible. As long as you speak well, you're sorted. I think Kanaya speaks well. If he has the resources of a large party, I think he's the best bet they have. Anyway, since since Rahul ji <laughs> had said out of box idea though, they are So on that note, I'd like to finish up on the hafta this week. Uh, just before going, some interesting news that the BJP leader, uh Kumari, says that she is a descendant of either Lava Kush. Then this other royal family from Mewar says they are also the descendant of the other brother. Then today the Karnich Sena chief has said, actually, he is the descendant of Lord Ram. And this was because Chief Justice Kogo asked in, while listening to the Ram Lalla that who is representing Ram Lalla? Who is his descendant? So suddenly a lot of people are descendants of Ram Lalla. So if you two are a descendant of Ram Lalla, you can write in to us and we try to pass it on to, you know, whoever can get this. Because there are a lot of new descendants of Ram Lalla. But I thought this was really funny and I went and read up about Diya Kumari matlab delhi modern school gaye aap london jacket design so and so has got this title and so and so has got that title party mein democracy as as Dhiraj says democracy is alive and kicking in india huh? uh, let's before we end i have a couple of announcements after that we shall get uh, neha's and and anand's recommendations like I said, Hafta's on the CastBox app. If you want the latest episode of Hafta, you have to come to our website, newslaundry.com uh, because on ad- all other platforms, you only get Hafta's that are three weeks old. For the latest one, come to newslaundry.com or you can go to the CastBox app. And if you have any feedback, write into to us at contact at newslaundry.com. I repeat, contact at newslaundry.com. Do write the show's name, which is Hafta, so it doesn't get confused with the mails to the other shows. Do we have some very articulate points of view that are shared and we encourage all points of view to come just try to keep them less than 300 words because those 1000 word emails just take up too much time and if you have an abuse to leave you can leave it on Anand's twitter timeline and Arandam neha can also I welcomes. have enough, please don't oh, okay. <laughs> then you can leave it on Anand's or Karthik podcast papa he's a podcast papa, podcast papa on his. So, uh, and if you have any nice things so you can leave it on my twitter timeline Uh, With that, can we have the recommendations for the week? Neha how about you first
2: Uh, well since uh, Kashmir is sort of like the big big uh, topic of discussion I think um, again for a lot of people uh, their uh, understanding of Kashmir or uh, knowledge may be stemming from you know news events that uh, that you have been reading in in the papers for the last few years or or whatever time which is obviously of a certain kind of violence and you know militancy and uh, abuses and so on Uh, so I think this is a good time for a lot of people uh to actually you know read some stuff on kashmir that would give them an understanding of of the people there uh beyond just uh news items uh, i would recommend aga Shahid Ali's uh, poetry uh as as a good starting point um to to have a sense of of uh you know the concept of a homeland and why it's so strong uh within a particular community um yeah, so that would be mine. I mean, there are several, like, uh, compilations. You can pick up whatever you find or you can just, like, Google it. Uh, so, yes, that would be mine.
0: Anand? Oh, um, actually, just yesterday, I finished a book by A.K. Bhattacharya, the editor of Business Standard. It's uh, The Rise of the Goliath, Goliath or how mm. pronounce it. It's about the major disruptions um, in India post-independence. So he has uh, talked about 70 such uh, disruptions, policy disruptions, or uh, even uh, in terms of events, uh, and reflected on it. Some of the aspects that he has explored have not been attended. So some of them are repetitive. So it's uh, a kind of book which uh, it gives you a kind of broad sweeping overview of things, so that's it. I'm not recommending it because it's a great book, but that is just because I have just finished reading it.
1: Okay. I see. Well, I would recommend a um, podcast on Kashmir. It's a subscriber only podcast, so those Mufat Khors who listen to this for free and the Chota Haft outside the paywall. I do think uh, we spend a lot of time doing it, we've got voices from all over including forces, army forces, you know, who have served there and who have said that, of course, there were excesses. And I just find it fascinating that people believe that there were no excesses there, and those who are saying there are only excesses there, just like Dhiraj that democracy is thriving. If you ask someone from Kashmir who's lost family, who mysteriously vanished and their dead bodies showed up uh, with clear signs of, you know, the forces having done it, they would not agree. So I think that that is... Um, a great podcast to put this whole thing in perspective and also I don't agree with the separation of how it was done and what was done I think in this case you can't separate the two they are intertwined and finally I just had a comment on the Kashmir issue and before we wind up i just like your views on this you know I think the one thing that this proves of Mufti and uh, what's the young boy Omar being jailed is I've never had a very high opinion of them I think they are as brilliant as uh, Sindhya and Rahul but the one thing is that that allegation of many people that they don't, that allegation that they don't represent Kashmiri, I think is absolutely true. Because if any reason, if you put Mamta in custody today, you will not be able to keep the carda off the street. You will have a groundswell. It would, Bengal would be overrun. You put Naveen in prison today. You will not be able to control the people. You put Kejriwal in prison today. You will not be able to control the people. You put any regional Here you have got both and because they don't give a shit the people of kashmir and i think that is I, I do believe that's true neha in case you disagree let me know well
2: i mean i think uh, the current condition is also part of that. So or not just Mehboob and Omar who have been detained but hundreds of party cadres. There is actually no real estimate that the government has still given out. We've been asking them repeatedly so we actually don't know. In one of the reports that I did uh, was specifically on uh, the political detainees and who are they, where are they, how many are there. There are no answers. I literally went around uh, from each uh, one location to the other where they were said to be housed And, and it is true that some of the MLA uh, from, I mean, I at least found a few uh, of the MLAs of the recently dissolved assembly have also been picked up and detained. So one is that a, a, a very, very big section of the party cadre is also under detention. So that's one reason. The second reason is, of course, the uh, curfew conditions that any kind of protests are are being limited. Uh, so so that mass kind of uprising, I mean, if Mamta is put in place, unless you, you know, lock down Calcutta. Do you think it, that's
1: possible to do? Yeah. If if you were, even if you had 20,000 troops in Kolkata and you put Mamta in prison, you believe people would stay in, indoors.
2: Well, I mean, Kashmir is different from Calcutta. So we also have to like take that into consideration. And the third thing here is that uh, Mehbuba and Omar uh, were mainstream politicians. So there is uh, only a limited amount of support they enjoy in Kashmir. So there are also separatists. There are also like, you know, pro-Pakistan people. So all of those will anyway not. I mean, so they represent a segment of the population. But that was the segment of population that was pro-India. So by jailing them, India has effectively uh, wiped out that support that existed. So so that's weakened the, the, the point hand. Yes, sure.
1: absolutely you have anything to say on on my shorthand analysis?
0: Uh, just a shorthand reply <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, so as he as he was rightly pointing out that different territories have different political culture, so the response system in Bengal and Kashmir, can be different uh, though the low public legitimacy or the low democratic credentials of these leaders that you pointed out was never in doubt mm. it, it is being demonstrated in this way also uh, but yes one thing is that uh, before you cannot have a very absolutist view of uh, the democracy in trouble jones because before uh, when as an as a democratic idealists what people do is that uh, they forget that before being a practice Uh, democracy is an idea and they cling to the idea so uh, the idea of democracy which may be great which may be very inclusive but but as procedural democracy and it's it's many limitations as well as demands as well as its accommodation or compromises may be very different so that tension is already there
1: I see so thank you Anand thank you Neha and thank you Sneha if you're listening do join us again for Hafta next week keep writing in and like I always say subscribe to News Laundry go to newslaundry.com click on the top right hand corner and pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served when advertisers pay advertisers are served we've been saying this for about seven years since we started a lot of people have started saying that now because it's absolutely true and uh, the earlier you realize this, the more robust our democracy will be, no matter which side of the political spectrum you're on. Bye bye, until next week. Bye.